0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Your bulletin has the outline. It's pretty simple. Resurrection power. That text that's on there, don't worry about it till the very end. Okay? Easter, I love Easter as a pastor. But I'm going to tell you, Easter is tough as a pastor, too. Especially in the Bible Belt, uh, it's tough. I've changed my Easter message, I think, three or four times because I couldn't get a piece with it. And I I didn't want it to be what I wanted it to be first. I tried to make it something different, and God wouldn't let me get away from it. I'll tell you a little story, kind of how it worked. I was eating at Logan's, which some of y'all like, duh, you eat there all the time. But I was eating at Logan's, and a buddy of mine that I haven't seen in a long time at a previous church that I was on staff at came up to me just to say hi at the end of the meal, and he said, A couple of weeks, man, Easter. Got that Easter empty tomb message cleaned up, ready to go. And he walked off. I'm like, Yeah. That's it. They're all pre-programmed for Easter message in the Bible Belt. They already know what's coming. Just dust off the old empty tomb message and whip it out again. And what concerns me is this, that we come in, we kind of know what's coming sometimes in the message, so we don't give the message much thought. And so what I was going to preach on, I kept trying to get away from, but every time I would have an encounter with people, and there was about three or four of these encounters that the same thing happened, I was like, okay, I get it. And so today I want to come at Easter all about the empty tomb. Don't get me wrong. It's about the empty tomb, my friend. But see, resurrection power in Easter is about changed lives. It's about changed lives. What does Texas, America, the Bible Belt and the church need to see today? Changed lives, dude. I'm telling you, when you see a blind cat walk into church and you've got to help him find a chair, and then when you walk out he sees every tree, everything like he's never seen it before. That's what you've got to see. That's what Easter needs to be. And today I want to look at a cat. I'm telling you. We sold him out and cut him short in John 3. We just read John 3. Everybody knows him. We're like, whoops, that's it. But we didn't finish his story. And I've referenced it before, but I'm about to tear it up today. Okay? I want you to go to John 3. I want you to see this guy. His name is Nicodemus. We know him well. We know a lot about him. Well, we know a little bit about him. Okay? But I want you to see in his life resurrection power. I mean, I want you to see it like you've never seen it before. And here's what I want you to do. If you're sitting here today, which all of you are, I'm looking at you. I want you to understand that this same resurrection power that you're about to see unfold in Nicodemus is you. Can be you. Can be you. We all have Nicodemus moments. And sometimes we score well, and sometimes we don't score well. Jeff included. Because here's what you have to understand. God's setting all of us up. Y'all just need to go ahead and understand that, because I have to understand it. God is setting us all up. For God moments. And do we see them? And then when we see them, Do we take advantage of those? I want you to begin in verse 1 of chapter 3. I'm going to go there, back to 7, and we're going to finish at 19. Now, there was a a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, and no one could perform the miraculous signs that you're doing if God were not in him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Good question. Surely he cannot enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. Now, what he's simply saying is, you must be born again. Nicodemus was a smart, intelligent cat. He was on the Jewish ruling council, basically like a senator today, okay? He was a man of much wealth and much reputation in the community, okay? Much, okay? But he came and asked a great question to Jesus. Now, a lot of times we just leave Nicodemus off at this point right here. We just kind of leave him off. Because what you see sometimes is that people can say, especially in the Bible Belt, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Good. And I believe that he died for my sins. Good. Good. Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Have you ever been born again? Oh, yeah, I went to church. Listen to me. Quit acting like a teenager. When I ask you the question, I want the answer related to the question. Okay? You ever ask your teenager a question, they give you an answer like, Dude, that's, that's a great, great answer. That's not the question. That's not, that's not the question. Okay? The question is, is is the fact that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus changed your life? Has it? Because what we find is a lot of people believe that the tomb is empty, believe that Jesus died for them, but they have yet to follow Jesus. Let me illustrate. What do we call this? Chair. Chair. Really, it's not a chair. Really, it's a piece of furniture. We've been told it's a chair. It's a piece of furniture. Now, I can believe that that's a chair. And I can be committed, so committed that I tell you it's a chair. You're pretty committed. You told me it was a chair, didn't you? Let me tell you when it becomes a chair. Whoo! yep, that's a chair. Right? It's when my belief in something is followed by my actions. Here's what we got. I believe in Jesus. I believe He died on the cross. I believe the tomb is empty. You following Him? No. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I I tried this church thing. I don't like the church. Hypocrites, backstabbing gossiping. I mean, I ain't got no time for the church. I'm sick of the church. I don't want any part of it. And don't come asking me to come to your church. I'm not asking you, teenager. Are you following the church? I'm asking you, are you following Jesus? Let me say something to you very honestly as a pastor in ministry for 26 years. The church will disappoint you. Just in case you didn't hear that, let me say something to you. The church will disappoint you. It will. And here's what happens to us. We put our faith and trust in the church, and if I sit in this chair right here and it fell down, guess what I'd say? Man, that's a stupid, that's a stupid church. That's a stupid chair. That ain't no chair. That's not a chair. That's a weak, weak example of a chair. A chair holds me up. A chair won't let me down. A chair won't fail me. You see the difference? Jesus, my friend, is not going to start breaking promises and commitments because you were hatched. He will keep his commitments. His covenant relationship with you is sealed. Sealed. He will never let you down. And when you start putting your faith in man who attends church guess what? He's not Jesus. He's he's a terrible yardstick, okay? Now, he should be a really good yardstick because he has everything he needs. Great church, great word, great Jesus. But sometimes man disappoints you. Church will disappoint you. So if you're following church and man that goes to church, guess what? Your chair is going to fall down a bunch. You know what's going to happen eventually? You're going to stop sitting in a chair, Walk in rooms. they say, "Do you want to sit down? No, nah. I try a chair. Now you ain't laughing at me again. I, I didn't try that chair. No, nah, I'll stand. It's going to be seven hours. I don't care. I'll stand. I'll get crutches if I need to, but I'm, I'm not sitting in that chair. See, Nicodemus says, I've seen these cats that follow you. Nope, not doing it. See, my friends, you've got to have more than head knowledge to follow Jesus. You, you can miss Jesus by foot. I'm telling you, you can. Belief must be followed by action. Or what you're believing in is a joke. So either Jesus is a joke or he's the real deal. Either the cross is real and the tomb is empty. And if it is, I'm going to tell you this. Your home is in heaven. He said in his word that I go to prepare a place for you and I will come back and receive you unto me. But in my house, there are many mansions, man, many mansions. And if that's you today, that's a promise, and it's worth following. Take your eyes off man and take your eyes off the church and put them on Jesus who you say you are following, because there's a big difference from between belief and follow. It's like lungs and heart, you can't separate them. They go together. So if you're here today and you say, well, I believe in Jesus, I believe he died on the cross, and I believe that he rose again, and there's been a time in my life that I've put my faith in him and i I received him as my Lord and Savior, then follow him. Follow him. And when you follow him, something ought to give evidence of that. Let's see some evidence. Flip over to John 7. So here you got Nicodemus. Here you got Nicodemus, he kind of gets a little bit close to Jesus, he knows something's up about him, but but the problem is he's among 72, or he's among 71 of his compadres. There's 72 of them, he's one of them, and they're trying to find a way to do away with Jesus, but Nicodemus has had an encounter with Jesus at night, we call him a wimp for that, a chicken, okay? Okay? But he came at night, he knows there's something up about him, he's not fully in yet, he knows that the chair, he's not quite ready to sit in it, but he's getting close, he's getting close. And then I want you to see the encounter in in chapter 7, verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, and who was one of their own number, asked, Does your law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? He asked this question among 72 of his compadres who hate Jesus. You say, wow. Verse 52, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Now that doesn't sound like an insult. But what they're saying is, Jesus is from Nazareth. You must be from Nazareth too. Does anything good come from Nazareth? That's like Pampa saying to Borger, oh, Lord, does anything good come from Borger? Right? They don't like each other, okay? That, I mean, they, they grow up. First thing they're taught if you're born is I hate Pampa. If you're born in Borger. If you're born in, in Pampa, I hate Borger. I mean, I just that needs to be the first words. That's how they're trained. Not mom and daddy. It's I hate Borger, all right? That's just it. It's on the bottles, on the diapers, it's everywhere, all right? Ask somebody from Pampa, find out, all right? But he's saying is, what you doing, Nicodemus? You from Galilee too? Nothing good comes from Galilee. He kind of sticks his neck out there a little bit. He doesn't go all in yet, but he's like close. He's at least like introducing someone to the chair, now, he's not sitting down, but he's like, you know, I heard that was a chair. And you're welcome to sit in it. If it's a chair, why aren't you sitting in it, dude? You've been here longer than me. Oh, man, I, I, I slept good last night. Boy, I, I'm, I'm well rested. I don't need no chair. I'm, I'm good. You can sit down, though. That's what he's kind of doing. He's kind of getting in, but he's not. See, what happens is when you... When you believe something and when you follow something, there's no separation in the Bible. When Jesus sees the word believe, which is in there five times, the word follow is in there 20 times. So when you say believe, Jesus hears follow. When you say, I believe in Jesus, he's thinking, hmm, he's following me. He's following me because Jesus has no separation from the two. So Nicodemus has an encounter at night. He meets Jesus, knows there's something different. Jesus says, are you born again? Makes him a little uncomfortable, but he knows something's up. So a couple chapters go by, a couple things go by, and then all of a sudden there's 72 of them, and he kind of sticks his neck out for Jesus to say, whoa, we can't crucify him yet. Shouldn't we at least hear him out? What? <laughs> hear him out? Hear him out? I'm going to tear him up, all right? I mean, it's kind of like when your dad wants to just whoop the fire out of you and your mom goes in there. We should just ground him. Let's just take his phone away. Take his phone away? You want to put his phone behind the car and back up and then wear his butt out, all right? I mean, that's, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, that's what he's trying to do, all right? Don't sugarcoat this cat. Let's, let's get the noose. Let's do away with him. Don't, no, we're not going to hear him out. I'm tired of hearing him. I've heard all I want to hear from this cat. And Nicodemus is like, we ought to hear from him. It's like, no, no, not hearing nothing, hearing nothing. See, when you you believe in Jesus and you follow him, there's an action. When you're following Jesus as a believer, when you know the cross is real, he walked it for you and died for you, you put your faith in that, he was resurrected from the dead, meaning you've come, you've got new life in Christ. When you are raised, when you're buried in Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life, let me say something to you. That's going to interfere with what you kind of, kind of call life. You can't just follow Jesus without Him interfering in your stuff. Does that make sense? You can't say I'm following Jesus and add Him on to a busy schedule for your family. Well, we can't go this week. We can't go this week. We can't go this. We'll go in May cuz we got so much going on. Sorry. Sorry. When you're following him, you're following him. It's not when it's convenient, it's not when it fits, you're following him. You're following him. Okay? Because what happens is most of the people who need to follow Jesus are going to bump into you when you're not following Jesus and you're going to give a atrocious billboard commercial For the king, ferocious. Has following Jesus ever cost you anything? Anything? Has following Jesus ever caused you to make yourself uncomfortable in a group of people because you had to stand up and speak for Jesus? Has it? I would wonder if you are a believer today and you're following Jesus and none of those two things have ever happened, are you truly a follower? You might just be a believer only. You might just believe in there, but you're not following Jesus. Jesus hasn't separated the two. Maybe you have. Students. Have you ever had to walk away from a group of people about to do something you know they shouldn't do? Not by playing the mom card. Oh, I got to go. Why? My mom just texted me. I got to go home. Not the mom card, but have you played the Jesus card? Hey, man, why are you doing that? You're not going to do it? No, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I follow Jesus. You ever played the Jesus card? Any of you guys and do- girls ever play the Jesus card with your friends? Let me tell you, when lives change on campuses, when students that are following Jesus play the Jesus card, that's when it changes. Because everybody's still playing the mom card, nothing's changing. Because mom card players do everything everybody else's mom cards players, there's no difference. Jesus said, I thought you believed in me, man. I thought your actions, I thought your belief, produced an action. It should. It should. It's called Jesus guts. Got any Jesus guts? I don't care if you can bench press a Buick. I don't care. I don't care if you can go hunting without a gun kill a bear. That's fine. That's good on Facebook, but Jesus is not impressed with that. Jesus says you got any Jesus guts. You're going to stand up at work in front of your compadres and say, hey, dude, we ain't looking at that, and we're not talking about the girls in the office anymore like that because we're following Jesus, not because we don't need to do this because I might get fired. No, no, don't play the fire card. Play the Jesus card. Let's keep going. Verse nineteen. We got to see a difference in Nicodemus. What happens to him? Verse nineteen. Can't have Easter without without Nicodemus. Watch this. Verse, I mean, chapter nineteen. Sorry, chapter nineteen. Look at verse thirty-eight. Later, Joseph of Aramea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Look at verse 39. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. You say, that can't be the same cat. That wimp that came at night, I guarantee that's not the same guy. No way. Because right now, dude, if you're following Jesus, if you're anywhere near that crucifixion, they were killing you. They're killing you. That can't be the chicken, the wimp, the coward Nicodemus. Hmm. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. Well, which one? Is there a different one? Must not be. The man who earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh, aloes. And fifty, I mean seventy-five pounds. Taking Jesus by the two of them, wrapped him in spices and stripes of linen, strips of linen. This was accordance to the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid, because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. I want you to see something. In the Garden of Eden, sin was introduced. In the Garden of the Resurrection, sin was abolished. Mm, interesting, huh? You think God had a hand in that or something. Here you got Nicodemus who comes at night. Then he kind of sticks his head out a little bit for Jesus in that meeting. And I'm going to say something to you. Jesus is dead. They took him off the cross. Pilate had his body. And Joseph and Nicodemus go get the body. Mm. Man, I'm going to tell you, there is skin in the game, and then there's skin in the game. This cat went from coming to Jesus at night as a wimp, scared, a coward, a chicken, didn't want anybody to see him there, to boom, I'm in. Everybody else is hiding. You say, how do you know that? God, I'm glad you asked. Look at chapter 20. Chapter 20, look at verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. His disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Where is the disciples at? Hiding in a house with locked doors. They are the ones walking with the cat. And where is Nicodemus? Dude, he goes and asks Pilate for the body of Jesus. Wow. You're talking about a different man. You're talking about huge changed cat. Before he came in secret as a wimp. Now, he's coming out there asking the one that could say, hey, dude, them three crosses still up there? I want you to stick these two cats on there. They're asking for Jesus. You don't come into my house asking for Jesus. No. Let me tell you, he could have sentenced them to death. Everybody else, even associated with Jesus, is not on the street. They're hiding, man. They're hiding. And Nicodemus has such a changed Dude, man, he don't care anymore. He is absolutely sold out follower of Jesus. He says, it doesn't matter, man, I'm in. Even if I go there and they kill me, I'm okay with that. I don't care if anybody sees me. I want the body of Jesus. And not only that, my friends, he took the spices They took took Jesus back to Joseph's place. This is all his property anyway. That tomb that they used is Joseph's tomb. He was a very, very wealthy man. He owned all this land. He bought that tomb. He wanted to be buried in the tomb. When he died, that's where he was going to be buried. Now he's given his tomb to Jesus. They cleaned Jesus up. And they put spices on him, and they wrapped him in linen. And Joseph and Nicodemus took him in that tomb and laid him in there. That's the same cat, the same one, 16 chapters earlier, that was scared to even let anybody see him even come to Jesus and ask about him. Man, is that you? Yeah, I was this, Jeff. Oh, buddy, but now I am this. I'm this. I was once scared here, but boy, I'm not anymore. He said, Well, that's not me, man. I, I, I've been saved a long time, and I really don't have those Jesus guts. Well, here's the deal today's Easter, it's called Resurrection Morning. What needs to resurrect in some of our lives is Jesus' guts. Some of you have opportunities, you haven't used them. You haven't scored well, but here's the deal: unless you're walking on the streets of gold in heaven, you got another chance. Students, you haven't played that Jesus card yet, but you ain't you ain't in, you ain't in heaven. And you're not out of high school. Play it next time you get a chance. Play the Jesus card. Why aren't you doing that? My mom won't let me. No, because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's not what he does. Mm. I'm telling that mess up somebody's. Rice Krispies, they won't pop, I guarantee, they won't pop. That's not going to pop. Mess them up, all right? Let me ask you this morning, is there a difference in you? Have you had resurrection in your life? Have Have you once were this, but now you're this? Are you? How about at work? You have resurrection power at work, resurrection power at school, resurrection power as a coach. I'm telling you, mission field comes to you every day as a coach. As a teacher <clears throat> I mean, your mission field just comes to school. It has to. By law. It's mission field. I'm a missionary. Really? Where do you go to the school? They just come to me. They just come. I mean, seriously, I mean, is that not the greatest? I mean the greatest thing in the world. I'm a teacher at a public school. Mission field comes to me 178 days a year. And everything I say, they think is gospel. Why should? Well, is it? Shouldn't it be? Do it. As a coach, it's not about wins and losses, is it? About fingerprints on kids for Jesus. You may own a business. If you're a doctor, sick people come to you. They may be spiritual sick, not physically sick. You asking? We got it, man. We need resurrection power daily in our lives to make a difference in people's lives. If you've experienced Jesus, if you've put your faith in him to follow him, does your actions give validity to that? Is he interfering with your life, or is he just a sweet little add-on to your perfect little life that you've created? You look like a walk-in magazine every time your family moves. That's good, But sometimes Jesus will mess that up. He wants to mess that up sometimes. He wants to interfere there. I want you to see, and we're going to close because i got to watch the time. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 3, and I want you to see. When I read this, I want you to see Nicodemus. But more than that, I want you to see yourself. Philippians chapter 3. Hmm. Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 7, verse 7, Philippians 3, 7. But whatever was my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but from which is through faith in Christ. The righteous that comes from God is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship and the sharing of His suffering, becoming like Him in death, and so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Hmm, Nicodemus. Rich, rich, rich. Reputation, everything. He considered it lost. He gave it, he sacrificed it, asking for the body of Christ. Because why? Because he was a changed, changed dude. And he didn't consider it's all lost, man, except for Jesus. All lost except for Jesus. This morning, Simply ask this question. Do you know the power of resurrection in your life? Have you experienced that? Has there been a time in your life that not that you just had head knowledge that Jesus died on the cross and the tomb was empty, but you let your head knowledge be preceded or followed by what? Your feet that follow Jesus by accepting Him as your Savior and Lord and becoming born again born again and if so has you has your life that now is in christ has have that life that's in christ is now different because the fact that you've decided to follow jesus that your actions show and give validity to the fact that you're a follower of jesus have you experienced resurrection in your life the resurrection power Were you once different here, but now you're totally new here because you're in Christ. Totally new. This morning, on this Easter morning, that can be you. That can be you. The empty tomb, the resurrection can be your life. Once this, now this. Once this, now this. He was once in there, but now he's risen. I was once this, but now that old dude dead, he's raised a new life. This morning, do an invitation is for you. This for you this morning. You come this morning as we pray, Father. This morning, as we enter a time of invitation, simply invitation is nothing more than your invitation to us to do what you do, whatever you have said to us, Father. You have spoken this morning. You have said so much to your people this morning, and Father, we want to experience revelation power in our lives. We want to be like Nicodemus, who was once a wimp, but is now a warrior for the king. God, make us warriors for Jesus, not wimps for Jesus. And God, we can't be warriors if we haven't been changed. Because we don't have the power in us to do that. And so, Father, this morning, if there's someone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, may they come to know you this morning. If we do know you, Father, make us warriors Make us true followers of you. Give us resurrection power in our lives, God. God, thank you for the empty tomb. It may be true every day in our lives as people see our lives. May they see true difference in us because we have been risen from the old dead life that we used to be. God, during this invitation time, move us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.